0: Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and I'm so happy that Krista has nominated Michaela and Ethan for a Game Changer Award. And this morning, we have Michaela with us, and we're so excited yep. uh, to learn more about the amazing work that she's doing. So, congratulations on your Game Changer Award, Michaela, and uh, thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you. And so, for for people that don't know about your passion, how you got started? Why don't you back up and tell our listeners, readers, and subscribers a little bit more about how? You became so passionate and so involved with the work that you do,
1: okay. yeah. so I am a um primarily a fox rescuer, and my passion came from when I was younger, my mom used to do wildlife rehab, and I would help her out doing wildlife rehab. And I just absolutely fell in love with this gray fox that we rehabbed and um that was it that was it for me i guess i that was like a turning point and i knew i wanted i somehow wanted foxes in my life i didn't know i was going to end up being able to like i didn't actually know there was like a, a demand for rescuing captive bred like captive born foxes so um i'm glad i got here this is not how i expected to like yeah. land but that's i mean that foxes are my passion and i'm glad i was able to um follow my dream and get
0: where i'm at wow so back up and walk us through the evolution um this is my 37th year as a federally licensed wildlife rehabilitator so i totally understand the passion of recognizing that mother nature doesn't have people out there advocating for orphaned injured ill and sick wildlife i totally get that i get where your heart comes from but then And I also get the magic of foxes, magic. But then talk to me a little bit about um, the whole breeding in captivity, because that's a piece that probably a lot of people that maybe are just thinking about this for the first time, like, "Hmm, where does that come from? It's kind of a gross, dark backstory, but it's worth talking about in that fox are being bred for other reasons.
1: Yeah, so foxes being bred in captivity originally came from being bred in fur farms. I mean, fur farms have been going on for a very long time, and um, so there's there's fur farms that we rescue from, and then there's also breeders that we rescue from, or like people who buy foxes from breeders as a pet, and then they're like, "Wow, this is a lot of work, and it's destroying my house, and it smells like a skunk," and um, so then we end up taking them in and. Um those breeders though, I mean those foxes like I mean these foxes have been bred in captivity for like over 50 generations. Yeah. So they have all these weird colors that don't even exist in the wild. And um yeah, they all just they all date back to fur farms. Yeah. Whether we get them directly from a fur farm or pet surrender situation.
0: And and right now, um, would you say that the hopefully, at least from my perspective, Fur farms are on the decline in that people recognize that it's a I mean, it's this disgusting, deplorable industry and that, you know, it's a whole that's a whole different topic. But I would assume what is the ratio of fur farm fox versus people who thought they'd make great pets and realize it's too much? Is it like 50 50 or, or would you say it's primarily people who think I'm going to get a fox as a pet and then realize holy cats?
1: um right now like at our rescue it is pretty much a 50 50 half of them came right from a fur farm and the other half were
0: um pet surrender situations so and then and so i have so many questions so when so first of all once you get them do they always stay with you or do you place them with other uh, people who are capable of caring for them? Because I would think that at some point you would become completely overrun with rescue foxes.
1: Yes. Yep. Like every rescue, we have a capacity. So we work with other rescues. Um, There's other fox rescues that we kind of like collaborate with. And uh, there's certain fox rescues that kind of specialize in like different things. And um, so we all kind of work together whenever a fox gets surrendered to any of us just to figure out what the best place is for it. And then we do I mean, we're, we're licensed to adopt foxes out, but of course, like we would never want to put a fox in the situation they got them here in the first place. So if somebody were to want to adopt a fox from us, they like, we have to like train them in, they need like a certain amount of like training hours. They need, you know, knowledge and experience. And, um, there's a whole criteria that they have to follow to be able to, um, legally and just, you know, knowledgeably adopt
0: a fox. So talk to me a little bit about the regulations, because it's a little bit like people who think, you know, bobcats are amazing, which they are, cheetah um, amazing, which they are, and then people want one. So can you walk us through, is it, what are the legalities and do it, does it vary state to state? And then what's your, for people that say, oh my gosh, fox are cool. They're smart and playful and adorable. I think I want one. Can you go through go through the, the legalities and then why you would or would not recommend them. Um, so the
1: legalities do vary state to state. And, uh, we all just, we always just tell people like check with your state, but then also check with your County because okay, like in Minnesota, for example, where I live, you know, you can have a pet Fox in the state of Minnesota, but many counties will like restricted and of course like apartments and usually any like subdivision and like suburbs and areas like that don't allow pet foxes. And that kind
0: of goes for a lot of states too. They prefer them to be out, out in the country. <laughs> yes. And, and so for someone that says um, fox are adorable, which they are, and they're sweet and you know so playful and so smart, just very, just really unique animals a little bit like raccoons in that people see baby raccoons and they're like oh my gosh I want one what's your advice as a seasoned fox owning and loving veteran what's your advice
1: um you never want to compare them to a dog or cat so if you have if you want a fox and your expectation is like oh my gosh they're kind of like a dog or kind of like a cat you're going to be very disappointed because they're They're not domesticated like cats and foxes are, sorry, dogs and cats are. And um, they're very destructive. Um, My house, I have foxes that come in my house. They have like outdoor yards, but I do allow some of them inside. And uh, because of this, we have no carpet in the house. We have no furniture in the house. All of our beds are Murphy beds that fold into the wall because they will dig through anything and they will pee on anything and um they they smell really bad (laughs) they're really stinky animals so if you were to let a fox into your house your your whole house is going to smell bad forever and um yeah i mean that's just some of the things i guess i guess i kind of tell people who are interested in adopting that they kind of have to have like think of it as more of like a farm animal like you want an outdoor enclosure for them and um just like expect expect them don't don't expect that you're gonna be able to like happily have a fox in the house because uh most people can't handle that just because it's just it's a lot you know they're jumping on the counters and they're peeing in your cups and they're just doing all
0: sorts of things (laughs) all sorts of all sorts of socially but wild animal behaviors you know they're 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 social uh and so enjoyable to watch but yet very much you know, still have a lot of wild tendencies and that you need to be yep. aware of. Um, so can I ask how many, uh, how many fox do you care for? Like in your, how, how many animals do you have in and around your home?
1: Um, usually at any given time, the rescue has about like 50 animals on site. Wow. And then we also have like staff and
0: volunteers and stuff nice. that come
1: in and help.
0: Nice. And is there a big difference between the foxes coming in from being rescued from fur farms and the foxes that people thought would make great pets that realized holy cats, my house was destroyed. I don't, I can't deal with this anymore. Do the, the foxes coming from fur farms, I know that they were, that fox were bred to be quite so, you know, that they were bred to be docile. Yeah. Is there a big notable personality difference between those two categories? Yes.
1: Yes and no. I guess I feel like it kind of depends on the breeder. I don't always know what breeders these foxes are coming from, but I, I have noticed that like the temperament in some of the pet surrender foxes are like very, like they're very, very social. They're not as like maybe shy or skittish as some of the the fur farm rescue foxes, even if Even if we got like a fur farm rescue fox as a pup and then we got like a pet surrender fox as a pup. yeah. A lot of times like the pet surrender ones are just like more social. And I think that's just because they've been bred so long, just specifically for those like social tendencies rather than just fur quality. So there is a little bit of a difference. But I mean, sometimes we get we get pet surrenders. um, I guess the pet surrenders usually come in kind of more damaged like emotionally or psychologically than the fur farm rescue ones and people are always surprised about this and it it doesn't necessarily mean that the pet surrender ones came from an abusive situation Mm -hmm. but they came from a family and like they were once loved and they got all this attention and everything and then their world just gets like flipped upside down and then they're just like what the, what's going on and they kind of freak out and it takes us a long time to adjust. And then the fur farm rescue ones, they're just grateful. They're like, Oh, wow. Uh, suddenly we have like all the space.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe that, you know, our, I have not kept up with fur industry. It just is a, it's a, it's a whole topic that literally makes my skin crawl. Uh, are, are the number of fur farms declining in Canada definitely. and in the U S? Definitely. It's definitely it's definitely dying. (laughs) Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that the number of people breeding, I'm going to call, it's not an exotic, it's an indigenous animal. It's like raccoon breeders. People are breeding raccoons for pets and they have a USDA license to do it. Are those, are the number of those, those people trying to make fox into sociable pets, are they declining or not necessarily? You still are getting a a lot. I
1: don't, I don't see them declining at all um if anything there it might be going up <laughs> so um, I, I guess just the big thing is just us trying to educate people and um I mean I I really wish I really wish breeders would just make sure to screen people and like educate them and I I just wish there were more breeders out there that actually you know cared yes <laughs> right and not for yeah. just a, a profit thing because
0: yeah, that's that's a big problem too. It it is a little bit like um, factory farming for you know it's it's like the the whole people are, are on that are familiar with anything understand puppy mills, but there really are like fox mills. That's exactly what they are. They're just kind of bred, and maybe not for their fur anymore, but they're people just breeding foxes for sale, and they will sell to absolutely anyone. And you're right, the educational piece is critical because they're not like a dog or a cat at all. And so I, I find it wonderful and amazing that you've taken on this kind of niche, (laughs) this kind of niche rescue and niche, um, niche passion, which is beautiful. Uh, what do you, what do you love most about the work that you do with this magical and I think very misunderstood species?
1: Um, (laughs) That's hard to say. I mean, there's so much I I love about it and there's so much that's like very hard about it, but I guess I, I love bottle raising. I love bottle raising the little babies. Um, that's always just like such a cool, like bonding experience for me. And, um, I guess because, because of the fact they're not releasable, like some people are, are confused as like why you can't release them into the wild. And it's because they were born in captivity and they don't know wild and, um, that just could never be a possibility for them. So I guess I like I like the bonding experience of being able to bottle raise them and like socialize them, and um, that just makes my heart happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we think about this really important work that you're doing, because you're in a tough spot, most federally licensed wildlife rehabilitators, uh, you know, we take, it's illegal to take an animal from the wild and keep it as a pet. And most people know that. Mm -hmm. So wildlife rehabbers take those animals like your mama did, fix them and then release them. That Mm -hmm. isn't a possibility for the, for the foxes that you're working with. They were born in captivity, either for their skin or for their fur or to be pets. And that didn't work out. And they can never go back to the wild because they don't know how to be a wild fox. So that's also
1: illegal, actually. People don't realize that it's
0: it's illegal to release captive born
1: animals into the wild.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And their reason being is that there those captive born animals can hold diseases that will totally obliterate wild populations. So if anyone watching this, if you have an indigenous species, don't even if it's a turtle that you got from the pet store, do not release it into the wild because that's exactly how it doesn't help. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't doesn't help at all. Yeah. And that's thank you for bringing it up. That's a really important point. But so you have a difficult job because you have an animal that is not necessarily amazing in the house and people think that oh my gosh they're so cute i'm going to get one and then realize oh my goodness no so you have this growing population of animals that can never go back and be wild animals again and they do have specialized care and that they need to be outside and they need to be able to express their natural tendencies of moving their bodies and digging and foraging and interacting and playing which takes space and time mm-hmm. and also respect that they're not a dog or a cat they're neither and they're not domestic or wild they're somewhere in between so you've got this really unique important job as a fox rescuer. If, if you put that all together, and if you think about kind of um, your mission or your passion, and, and trying to help the general public, who probably doesn't know a whole lot about fox information, fox, th- fox behavior, if you could tell the world one thing about foxes, or human interaction with foxes, if you could relay some thoughts about what you want people to know most, what would it be? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so hard. Um, And it can be a bunch of thoughts. It doesn't have to be one.
1: Yeah. Um, I I guess one important one that I guess doesn't necessarily have to do with my captive rescue foxes, but this is a question we have a lot. And it's about like, don't feed wild foxes because you know if you're getting them tame and used to you that could actually put them at risk for you know being shot or being killed by people or um, also it messes up the ecosystem with them hunting and you know making sure that they're catching food and eating healthy and and stuff like that so that's something that we often have to bring up to our followers as cool as it would be to feed wild foxes. Um, probably not best for
0: them so uh, that's something to think about (laughs) yeah yeah and and that maybe uh we look at animals in their natural environment like let's say people do have a fox that comes and visits their backyard and how beautiful they are and how entertaining uh how just interesting they are to watch them interact that they may not be amazing pets in the house maybe (laughs) You know, I mean, you you have a your entire home is and property is filled with animals that people at one time thought would be a great pet. It ended up not being a great pet, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, having having a fox in the house, I I guess to me is like having like I don't know, like goats or chickens or like horses in the house. Like they just mm-hmm. don't belong indoors. They're just <laughs> like, like just like like other farm animals are just not meant to be like in the house even though foxes aren't farm animals but they require being outside they require having having space and that's just something that's like super important like when people want to adopt from us and and they want to have the fox in the house we're always like you know you can have the fox come in your house but in order to adopt like you have to have an outdoor suitable enclosure with like dig guard and lean in because they can dig out and they can climb they can climb straight up fences. So there's just a lot that goes into um even being able to contain a fox safely outside. Mm -hmm.
0: Such important work that you're doing and really not a whole lot. It's wonderful that you have a network of other rescuers. It's fox rescuers. It's wonderful because it's it's not it's not a common Thing. so we're so thankful that it's your passion and we're so thankful that you're doing it these animals need uh advocacy and they need support and they need people to educate uh, uh about their needs and their and their in their importance in the environment as well fox are in my opinion a very misunderstood species yeah. um if people if people wanted to learn more about your rescue efforts, your educational efforts, what you're doing, or if they wanted to support you and follow you, where would they go to get more information, Michaela?
1: Um, so saveafox.org is our website and uh, Save a Fox Corporation is our Facebook page. And uh, we also have Instagram, which is saveafox_rescue. underscore rescue.
0: So I am so thankful. That Krista nominated you and your yes, organization. Thank you, Krista. thank you. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, Krista. It's wonderful. And I'm so thankful that there are people like you who find a species that is uh, kind of your, you know, your your soulmate and just will do everything yeah. they can for the educational support and the being able to help these animals that really are stuck in between not being able to be released and not being amazing house pets. They need help and support, and you're providing that. So we're so thankful for everything you're doing. Well, thank you,
1: I enjoy it.